Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. So I'm thinking we can just do the listing interview. Okay. And would be episode number 45. Almost to 50. (laughs) Almost there. So crazy. It's, It's amazing. Can you believe you thought about something to talk about for 45 episodes? That's a lot. And the people are still like just getting into it, right? Like, just finding it, going back and listening. I had an agent from my last office text me yesterday and say, I just listened to episode two. Oh and today gosh. I'm on episode one. And it's great. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I tried to tell y'all to listen to it before. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie. And we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. All right. Hello, friends. What is it? Today, it is episode 45. Yeah. 45. It's, what do you want to call it? The listing listing interview. interview. The listing interview. It sounds very serious. I think it's important to point out, too, that it's always an interview. Yeah, even if they know you. Even if they know you, even if you think you have it in the bag, it is always an interview. You should always treat it that way for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> do you want to start us off with some something specific or do you want me to just launch? I have questions for you. Oh, okay. Well, you can ask. Okay. So basically, we've gotten a lead, right? A, a listing lead, a seller lead. I don't know where we got it from. But what is, do you want to go through what you talk to them about on the phone? What is the pre-work? What do you do before you show up to the listing interview? So I found that so many people want you to come to their house. And I was going to people's houses so many times before we were actually getting ready. And as I was getting listing heavy, I thought I need some sort of system in place because this is just eating all of my time. Because you were going back how many times normally? (sighs) Three or four. Yeah. Um, You know, the first time to meet them and maybe at the same time do the full blown walkthrough, but Mm -hmm. people just weren't always as prepared. And so I was getting tired of being like, well, I would move the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on our list to do. That's on our to-do list. That's on our to-do. So that that's kind of where the pre-listing template was born that we have in yeah. our templates class. Mm-hmm. And that that's changed, you know, pretty regularly. And I think that it would just be even for those who bought the template course, editing it to do things that you have found need to be done that you're saying yeah. things a lot. Um but I, I tell people, look, I have a, an email that I send out to all of my sellers before I ever come to the house. Yeah. It has documents in it that take some time to get filled out, like the property disclosure, the homeowner information sheet. I need you to have those things ready. 
um, yeah. when I come. It also has a checklist of things to have ready for our meeting, such as a previous appraisal so I can check square footage, HOA restrictions. All. How many times have you been at the listing appointment and you're sitting at the table and you ask for that and they're, oh, let me go see if I can find that. And the husband disappears I'll, for 25 minutes yeah, looking. I'll dig it out. Mm-hmm. And um, so that is how the pre-listing email was born. I want to show up and, th- and that also has the things I will look for. Yeah. Um, to see if you're ready for pictures. So yeah, I want the majority of that stuff on the list done. And I tell them mm-hmm. at the end, like, once all of this is complete, let me know and I'll come do my walkthrough and see if there's anything else that we need to change for picture day. So they're prepared for you to give them additional work. Yes. And so okay. this email cuts down not only on the number of times I'm going back, because I only go one time now. Yeah. Um, but it also cuts back on the time that it was taking me to walk through each room and tell them what to do. Because... yeah. Now I sent them the homework ahead of time. So they already right. knew I need countertops cleared off. They already yeah. knew how I expected certain things to look or be presented. So, yeah. I, you know, initially it would take a good hour, maybe if you're, yeah. if you're really going room by room and now we can do it in like 25 minutes because yeah, almost everything is done and we're just tweaking the details. And this is my first time to see their house. So, right. It has certainly evolved um, out of necessity, yeah, and just mm-hmm. trying and just trying to be efficient. And I also feel like I had someone tell me one time that they were interviewing, but I yeah. was the only one that gave them any kind of homework. Pre-work. Yes, yeah, to do before I came, and they felt like that email I sent them just set the tone as you know she's the only one, and she seems right. like she's treating this like a business and the other people don't have any systems in place. So we don't even know how to prepare for the meeting. Right. So they were like, forget it. We'll just, we'll only have you. We don't need anyone They actually canceled the other two. They were going to interview three agents. These people were hardcore um, perfectionists, honestly. And they didn't even interview the other two people because of the pre-listing email. So the pre-listing email cuts out all of your extra trips and gets a lot of the pre pre work done. What do you tell, do you ask them on the phone if they're interviewing other agents when you're setting that appointment? I don't. Okay. So I've taken some listing classes and I find that that's one of the things that they will almost all teach. And they they will always say, ask if they're interviewing agents and then request to be the last interview. Okay. Um, I've never done it that way. I mean, sometimes I will ask or they will usually volunteer that, you know, most people want to be upfront with you mm-hmm. that, that you're not the only one. Um, I guess the theory of you being last is you would be the most fresh in their mind. Maybe they're just ready to do it. And so they'll, whoever's last, they'll just hire. Um, but I think if you're good enough, they might cancel the other ones. Sure. I know. And I have lost listing interviews to where the person came after me and Maybe okay. they got to ask them a question they forgot, or maybe that person mentioned something that I didn't mention. Yeah. Um, and they can't come back and ask me because my interview's over. You're done. Right. Yeah. So you just, I do feel like there's an advantage to being last, but I also feel like if I said, are you interviewing multiple agents or other agents 
like what if they weren't and now yeah. they're like should I oh should I yeah yeah like it's <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe I should. Yeah. I but if they tell the me, a lot of times they tell me that they are. Like we're interviewing a few people and I say, great. I think that's so smart. Yeah. Like I praise that. And I think that yeah, surprises I think, them. Well, right. Because you're not afraid. Mm-mm. I don't think you should be afraid if they're interviewing someone else. Either you're a good fit or you're not. Yes. Correct. I mean, I, you don't want to work with someone who doesn't like you anyway. Right. Um, okay. So... What do you bring with you? Because I know we differ here. Yeah, I don't bring much. Okay. Um, I usually I bring my computer just to have okay. something in my hand. <laughs> Sometimes that will have the CMA summary in it, okay. just so I can have quick access to the data. Have you already sent them that information? No. Okay. I won't discuss price numbers no yeah until I have okay. seen your house right um I do research the house of course before I go just seeing yeah. what the neighborhood is doing what did they pay for it how big is it um what did they tell me on the phone about it yeah and um that that's really all I bring that's it so you've got a CMA prepared on the computer mm-hmm yeah no, no, no other. Okay, fine. All right. So do you want to hear what I bring? Yes. Tell me. Okay. So I have a listing folder. You know, I like my folder. Yes. I'm a, I'm a papery, not a super papery person. I mean, I am digital, but I like to go with my folder to leave things with them. And in the folder, there's just a whole di- bunch of different stuff. But my listing resume, which you have already sent, I think, right? Yes. It was in my pre-listing um, email. Yeah. So I have like, you know, staging tips, which you've already sent. And I have started to use that pre-list email now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we'll see how it shifts. But in the folder, there's, you know, a lead-based paint pamphlet if their house is old enough or, um, you know, there. So I do have some homework that I bring with me. So their seller top 10, their homeowner info checklist, and their property disclosure are all in the folder. And I would normally leave it because see, I don't do the one appointment. I'll probably go back. I go twice. Sure. So I've gone this time. I left this stuff with them. And then I say on picture day, I'm going to collect that stuff. I think twice is fine. I think it's okay too. Look, it hasn't been a problem for me because I don't have the volume that you have, so I can handle it. And I don't mind. I'm a bit of a control freak. And so I want to see the house and say, all right, do these things. And I'll come back on picture day and make sure like the pillows are judged just so I just, yeah, I like to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't, it's not jamming me up at all. But um, so I bring the folder and then um, I bring also a seller net sheet and a CMA. So the market analysis I have printed up. I have an idea of what I think the price is going to be. And then I'll look at the house and know like which end is perfect and which end is maybe needs some love. Or like if, if it turns out to need more maintenance, then I'll just kind of have like levels and then I'll pop in the price. Sure. Uh, so I we go over that in a certain order though, because all they really want to know are the numbers anyway. Yeah. Don't you find that's, I mean, that's all they really want to know. Um, I do not bring a full listing presentation that talks about me and my office and stats because they don't care. Right. I mean, I just don't think they care. So I, I have a listing checklist, which I'm showing YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Um, and I want to see it. I, yeah. You want to look at it? Yeah. Hold up. Closer. Okay. So can you see it? Closer. 
Okay. How much closer do you want it? Uh, walk through home, discuss seller top 10 feature, listing binder, seller folder. Okay. And then it goes through all the items that are in the folder so I don't forget what to put in it. And I change that from time to time. But I would walk in the door. Hi. So nice to see you. Take me through your house and talk to me. Like, just talk to me. I would ask questions. We would walk through the house. I would maybe jot... I would be like, do you mind? I'm going to jot some notes. And then I would jot notes as we walked. Now, on the pre-listing phone call, I would have also asked, have you done any updates to your home? Or like, tell me about it. Um, but I would still go through it again. So we would walk all the rooms. We would, I would make some staging notes. We would talk about the house. And then we would sit down. And typically, I will breeze through that folder really fast. These are the things in the folder. My resume's in there. I'm not going to read it to you. If you want to look at it later, my testimonials are in there. Like it's all in there. If you want to look at it later, go for it. If you want to talk about something as we're going through it, just ask a question, but I'm not going to sit there and read everything. Mm -hmm. No, it's there. You can keep it. Now I have said before, if I know they're interviewing other people, I will say, look, I'm, I'm going to take this with me. And then if you decide you want to work together, I'll bring it back to you. Because I don't want to leave it for the next person. What part in there are you worried about them seeing? None, but it just makes them think, oh, oh. like this is valuable. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> I, I want to keep it. I want that. Wait, don't take it away. So I, and I've only done that a handful of times where I was like, I'm not just looking to give out my listing folder to the next person. So if they are interviewing multiple agents, I do ask them to take me through the house, but I will not go into suggestions and tell them what to do. Like they, they do have my have the pictures pre- checklist. They yeah. have that. Um, but I'm not going, and I tell them at the end of the tour and when we sit down at the table, I say, yes, well, once you've made your decision, just let me know. And we can do the full walkthrough where I give you suggestions on what we need to do to get ready for pictures. So then you have to go back again. Yes. No, you would just in that situation. A lot of times at that time, they say, I think we're just going to go ahead and go with you. If you wouldn't mind doing the walkthrough with us. And I'm like, because they want to know. That's the thing. You have to keep some information as the carrot, like, right? You can't yes. just give it all. Like, here's all the tips on how to stage your home. Good luck on your next interview. Well, I mean, then they've gotten all the value out of you they think they need. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Um, I usually then... I had a new agent. Homework. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did, the, what did the new agent do? I had a new agent that said, Hey, I have a really good friend of mine who's trying to sell their house for sale by owner. What can I do to help? (laughs) What did you tell her? I, it was a text and I texted back to help question mark. Like why would for free? Yes. Well, I don't know. I said, no, this is where like boundaries come in. And same goes with the listing interview. You can't, give it all. And then they're like, thanks. And they do it all themselves or go with someone else who's cheaper or what, you know, like, where is your value? You have to. Okay. I have a great story that goes right in line with that. Okay, good. So I had a client who, well, they weren't my client yet, but I knew them personally. They were my sphere. They called and said, Hey, we're ready to sell our house. Will you come over and do like, you know, uh, we would like to talk to you. I think I'm going on a listing appointment. I mean, this was very, very early in my career. So I show up. It was to the point of, 
Um, you know, we talked about all of the stuff to prepare. I was measuring the house, like with the tape measure, measured the whole house. And then I think, you know, we wrap it up. I'm like, well, let me know when you're ready. Or they were working on some stuff or whatever. And I can't remember the exact specifics, but I feel like it was the next day. He sent a text and was like, what were the square footages, whatever. And I responded. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to list for sale by owner. And I was like, <gasps> like they basically got oh all the information gosh. they needed and then listed it for sale by owner. It didn't work out. I think eventually I ended up I did end up listing it and then they dumped me midway through because it wasn't because they had overpriced it. It was just a big disaster. I didn't know how to like rein them in. Yeah. It was so early on. And then they dumped me and went with someone else. And it was the whole thing was painful. But wait, when they went with the new agent, they raised the commission. So whatever I had charged them, they went, they paid more to the next person and they lowered the price. And I'm like, well, hold up. If we would have lowered the price and raised the commission, don't you think we might have sold it faster? Sure. But I didn't I didn't have the experience or confidence to to get them there. And the next very experienced agent who came in was a great agent and she she did what she had to do. And guess what? She sold it. Mm-mm. I mean like but they that was the craziest. I'm like measuring, I remember and I'm done. I've done all this work, all the calculations and they're like, "Hey, we're just going to list this for sale by owner." And I'm like, hey. "Oh." Like, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, like, oh, wait. <laughs> okay. Mm. I mean, it could have been one of my first handful of listings, you know? Yeah. You learn the hard way a lot of times. I had a distant family member mm-hmm. call me recently, actually, okay. and say that they need to sell their house and they wanted me to come by. So I sent them my pre-listing info. Um I thought I was going to be listing the house and right. and I, this is this year. So <laughs> you're, you know what you're doing. I, I haven't been blindsided in a little while. And she's like, just talking to me about my mom and telling me how impressed she was with my email and blah, blah, blah. So I start, she's like, okay, we, we did as much as we could on your checklist, but I need you to walk through and just tell us the final things. So I'm like, okay, great. I was there a very long time. Oh, gosh. And we went through room by room. Mm-hmm. We sat down at the table. I, ex- mm-hmm. I, sp- I did the price. I did everything. And she said, well, you know, Alyssa, I just have to be honest with you that um, we are going to be listing with our a friend from church. And I said, okay. I said, then I'm, I'm just not really sure why I'm here. And I said, well, she's, she's, um, you know, not very knowledgeable about, you know, she's kind of (gasps) semi-retired. She doesn't know what she's doing. We needed your actual She did not give us a lot of, um, guidance, but we thought and, and she's saying it so, like, happily. We thought this would be a great way for you to see the house before it goes on the market. And now you have an advantage above other agents and can bring the no. buyer. I'm like, what? It doesn't work that way. People- that, is the ult- <laughs> that is the ultimate slap in the face to me. And I just heard someone else say it the other day. Oh, well, we've decided to list with someone else, but you can bring us the buyer. And I'm like, that, the odds of that are like pretty slim. Right. To have the perfect match. 
<laughs> and they feel like they're giving you something. Good news. You just get the buyer. She was, they genuinely don't understand. They don't understand. Um, and I, and wow. again, um, yes, I was slightly offended by the whole thing, <laughs> but it's kind of funny. <laughs> yes. But I also, it was just a reminder to me also that these people are not bad people. They're no. not ill will. Like they did not think that what they were doing was using me. Like I they, feel like that's they feel like they were helping me and I was helping them and that oh my it was just crazy. Anyways, <laughs> they did list oh it and then it got withdrawn and then they went for sale by owner. Did it sell? I, I don't know. I haven't I don't know. You wait, you may come back around to this listing. Maybe I don't know if I You don't yeah should. But sure. okay. I, I it's just it just goes to show that you never know. No. And that was look, I'm family. Right. I know, and I'm not implying that you're never gonna lose a listing and that you can't give value and that you should keep everything to yourself. I think it's good to provide value. I think there are gonna be some situations where you might have a friend who's for sale by owner, but they're buying a very big house with you or even a small house, but you're still servicing them. And so you sort of want to help them along a little bit because that is going to be your client if they can get the darn house sold. So like, it's a sticky mm -hmm. situation that you it kind is. of, it, it's like, you don't want to help because you know where your value is and you're basically giving it away for free. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I mean, you have to be mindful that you still want to represent them in the purchase. That's the hardest one. Well, I, I, I use my broker a lot as a, do you, I do, you yes. know, like, Oh, Alyssa, could we pay you on the side to help us through this for sale by owner? I'm like, I'm so sorry. Our broker doesn't allow us to do the professional yeah. services that way. Right. It's just not how our, um, our industry functions. Yeah. But because it reminds them that we are a profession and we have rules yeah. and I'm not my own right. boss per se. Like I, right. I have somebody else that I can blame and put that on and also just educate yeah. them. But you should it, use that. it's easy to take things personal. Yeah. But, um, did we do an episode on that? Taking things personal? Yes. I think I, <laughs> I just put that in the episode topic ideas. Did you taking things personal? So be, stay tuned. We, we might have that coming. Um, that's fine. So put a pin in that. We're not going to talk about yeah, it anymore. Not. But um, you, that's you pretty just have funny. to remember that they don't know. They are not they don't trying know. to upset you on purpose. Right. And this is where we are to blame for not educating the public. Don't don't wait to educate them until it's too late. These are the types of little tidbits you can share on your social media and say, hey, did you know that agents don't get paid until the sale closes? Or like people don't, you know, that my broker doesn't allow me to do listing services for free. Did you know that <laughs> I'm considered your agent as soon as I give you advice? I love that one. Yeah. People don't even understand that legally I'm your agent after I give you advice. Right. Like, think about how many people you give advice to, mm -hmm. like, just in random conversation. So many. It's so crazy. Hello, friends. Hi, all. Our template course has launched. It's out there. And we have been getting some really positive feedback. Yes. I have some great feedback I wanted to share with you guys. Um, we had one purchaser say, thank you for these templates. As a new agent, I feel it would have taken me years to create these on my own. That's awesome. I know. It's so great. And then I had, these are so incredibly helpful. What a great investment. Thank you for your time and efforts putting these together. I think that you guys... 
this is the answer to it saving yourself answer. some time. It, it helps you put systems in place. It yep. keeps you professional. It keeps you consistent. It just makes everything run so much smoother. So much smoother. You're never mm-hmm. going to forget to tell somebody something. No, because this it's covers, all there. It's all there. And you're going to edit it to make it sound like your voice if you'd like. And it's going to be perfect for your business. Yeah. So go check out our template course. Yes. At hustlehumblypodcast.com. Perfect. Okay. Enjoy. Enjoy. Bye. So I had some rules that I wrote down. Okay. For what? For your listing interview. Oh, for like us? For the agents? No. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Rules. Rule number one, listen. Mm -hmm. Just listen, ask questions, and then listen. Write down the answers. You're not going to remember it all. Write down. Are they moving because their kid's graduating? Are they moving because they're going to have a baby and they need a bigger house? Are they moving because they hate the size of their yard and then you're going to help them shop for a new house and keep showing them houses with the same size yard? They're going to get annoyed. Like, listen. Actually listen. Um, This is one I heard in another class I took. Accept the drink. When you are in their home and they ask you, would you like a water or a tea or a orange juice? You always say yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I would love a drink. Take one sip of it. I don't care if you don't ever drink any more of it. Always accept the drink. I mean, of course, if they're offering you alcohol and you don't drink, don't drink. But I mean, like say, sure, I'd love a water. Mm-hmm. Um, and the theory is that you are inside of their home. And if you're trying to build a relationship, which is what you should be doing, you want them to feel like you're accepting of their hospitality. So you've got to take the drink. Um, make connections. I like this. You told the story recently about the lady with that was kind of dry and you couldn't tell if she liked you or not. And then you bonded over dogs and everything was good. Yes. Right. Yes. So l- when you're on that, that's why I always do the tour first though. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn a lot about someone while you're touring their home. Right. Like look at their art, look at their, you know, family photos. Look, do they go to the beach a lot? You're going to figure out a lot about someone just from walking through their house Say something that connects you like, oh, I love your house plants. I'm a big, you know, plant lady myself or whatever it is. Make it be genuine though. Like be an actual thing. Like love your cat. I wish I had a cat or I used to have a cat or I don't, don't say you love the cat if you don't love the cat. Like that's not good. But I think that if you're asking questions you and you're paying attention, you should be making some connections there. Um, this is a big one for me. Be honest. Please realtors. Stop telling sellers whatever they want to hear. Like, don't tell them the price they want to hear because that's what they want. It, it's not it's not right. It's not fair to them. And you're just setting them up for disappointment and failure mm-hmm. and potentially like a really big life-changing problem. I mean, like they're trying to move. They're not, don't let people test the market. I don't think that's right either. So that kind of falls into the honesty thing. Um, give data. So when they're asking you questions, have actual facts to back up your opinions, your advice, and give them data. And then I have give advice. I think those are my rules. I use this phrase probably on every listing appointment. I'll say when we're talking price and I'm going over the different ranges, I say, I want y'all to know that this is not going to be my opinion of what your house is worth. Yeah. This is what the market data is saying. And I'm just here to interpret it for you. Right. And that's true. Mm -hmm. I took a class once where they mentioned that and they said, also, you have to remind them the 
market report, the CMA that you brought with you, is a moment in time. Mm -hmm. You cannot just leave it with them. And then six months down the road, they say, okay, now we're ready to list. You told me it was going to be 250. We're ready. And and then you've got to break the bad news that some, you know, whatever's happened in their neighborhood has brought it down to 240 or 235. I mean, it doesn't always go up. Maybe it'll go up in another year. But I think you've got to be mindful to tell them this is only good for today. If you don't list for two months, we're going to have to do another one of these and decide. Like, it's not... Because then you're looking at comps that an appraiser might not even pull. And I have to walk sellers through the appraisal process a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they really don't understand. Um, and I and I also use them, I mean, realistically as a shield. Like I can't make, I can't create the market. These are the numbers. An appraiser is going to look at these numbers. We have to hold ourselves accountable to these numbers. We can push. Like I'm a pretty aggressive pricer. I want you to get as much money as possible. And that was on my list too. I have some listing philosophies that I share when I'm in the appointment. I always tell them, I want you to, I don't want you to leave money on the table. I'm going to push it as hard as I can, but I'm also not going to tell you a number that you can't realistically sell at Mm -hmm. because I can't create the market. Sure. I can push it a little, but I can't create it. So I think that it's important to have um, like some information to back up what you're telling them so that they don't feel like you're just saying, you know, like a robot, the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful. That is helpful. Okay. What are some things that you tell them? Um, You know, we can come down on price, but we can't go back up. Yeah. So I feel like this range would be the higher range if we get the house in the condition it needs to be. Okay. I'm very strict about condition. The condition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Do you walk away from a listing if they won't do the work? Um, I have never had to. I've never really been in that situation, but I do say, I understand that this number might be farther from what you were thinking, but this is my number. And I understand if you need to interview other agents, right? I use, I understand if you need to interview other agents a good bit. I think that's good. And I feel like when I say that, it only confirms that they're not going to interview (laughs) other agents because they're like, whoa, like she's willing yeah. to walk away if we um well, okay you can't sell it if it's priced wrong no I had a lady I, I have walked away from one I guess okay. I gave her the choice okay and she chose to walk okay. I need to look up this address this was like last year but oh okay she inherited her mother's house she thought it was worth a lot more because she was emotional I went for the yeah. listing interview I saw she had listed it previously with another agent at a price that I just went absolutely not. I was very familiar yeah. with the subdivision. Yeah. And I knew it was only going to be um, like 315 yeah. and they had it at like 389 What? And it wasn't in great shape. So oh, I knew dear. going in that I likely wasn't going to get the listing because yeah. I saw she was asking 389 previously and my suggestion yeah. was going to be 315. Yeah. And I went in there knowing that. So I was very matter of fact. We sat down at the table. She was like, I really like you. I really appreciate your honesty with the house. The other agent never really mentioned any of these things. I yeah. said, well, I might be about to like crush your dreams and... <laughs> I, I said Sorry. it just like that. And, and I said, and you may be about to ask me to leave because I don't think you're going to be happy with what I have to say about the price. I want you to understand that this is not my opinion of the price. Yeah. 
these are the facts. These are the data. And I won't list it any higher than 3.30. And what did she say? She said, would you do 3.45? I said, (laughs) no, "No, I won't. And she said, what if we did like 3.39.9? And I said, it doesn't matter. I interrupted her and I said, honestly, I feel uncomfortable listing it at Mm three 30, but I would, it's close enough to invite an offer at that price. Even though it would be overpriced, it's at least saying, Hey, give me a try. Anything over that. They're not even going to try. Yeah. I said, you know, I spend money on marketing and time and time, all of, all of these things. And I can't do it if I feel like it won't sell. I said, and if you need to interview other agents, I respect that. And I understand. And when she she was like, yeah, I'm gonna, she basically was like, you could tell she was struggling. And she said, I appreciate how honest you're being. I am struggling with the numbers. It makes me think if that's what it's worth, maybe I should live in it and sell my little condo. Yeah. um, If if I'm not going to get what I was hoping for. And I said, well, that's that's why I'm here. I'm here to give you the reality of the situation that you're in so that you can make the best financial decision that you need to. Yeah. And you know, this is where I am. And I said, and maybe you need to list with another agent who will just do what you say and then call me six months later. You know, but we don't know what happened to her. She I did list. I need to uh, look it up. I, I can't remember. Um, I'll have to okay, look it well, up and see. But, yeah, look it up. But, but even then, I didn't really walk away. I just, I knew my numbers mm-hmm. and gave her yeah. the option and never heard from her after that. I'm sure yeah. I followed up with her, I think. But um, like just saying, hey, I, you know, I thought I... After our interview, I just wanted to see how, how you were feeling, what you were thinking. And she yeah. responded just saying, just trying to figure out what to do. I yeah. don't even know if I'm going to list it. Right. Um, so I need to look it up and see what happened. But whatever it was, my numbers let her know that either we're not going to be a good fit or maybe she should do something else with the house. Well, and I will say I've had that happen to me before in a listing many times where I'm like, look, these are the numbers. Maybe you want to consider renting it. Like if you need to move, but you yeah. can't stomach this price, then you're going to have to hang on to it until it goes up. Mm-hmm. So perhaps, and I'll even bring, if I know that's what I'm walking into, like if uh, typically on a pre-listing phone call, I will ask them, what do you think you would list it for? Or what do you expect to sell it for? Just so I have some bearing mm-hmm. on like, are they in reality or are they way out of it? Um, and I'll bring, sometimes I'll bring rental comps with me. Like, sure. look, I know you said 300 on the phone and I know it's 250 and that's a huge difference. Like here are the rental comps if you want to hang on to it and rent it. And sometimes they have never even thought about that. And they're like, well, that might still solve our problem. Like we still have to move for whatever reason. But I'm like, I can't, you can't just get you 300 just because you want it. Sure. And that's mm-hmm. what, and they think that they will, and the people who didn't get an agent to tell them the truth will, and just get them to tell them the price they want to hear, it will be a disaster. It will not sell. Then they will blame it on the agent. They'll overwork them to start with. I need you to do an open house every weekend. I need, well, why isn't it selling? Come work, come work, do more work. And then after three months, six months, however long, they'll fire them and get another agent because they think it's the agent's fault. And another agent won't tell them the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll list it at the same price or maybe slightly lower. And it's a a vicious cycle. And then finally, you'll see it sell with the third or fourth or fifth agent 
agent who gave them the right price and said, this is what it is, friends. Like, you got to. So sometimes you have to explain to clients what, what the term miss the market is. Mm-hmm. Do you ever talk to people about that? Um, yes. And just talking about, too, that the market is rejecting the property. It can be because yeah. of price. It can be because of condition. It can be because of a combination. But yeah. we know at this time that the market has rejected the property. Yeah. And I will sometimes also explain to them what it means to be stale. I'm like, you, I could sell someone. Your home is worth and going to sell for 200000 I would list it for 200000 Maybe I would say I'll list it for two ten, and we can expect it to sell at two hundred. And then they'll say, "Well, what if we do two thirty? And I'll say, "That it's not going to work." But if you do it at two thirty, you could miss the market because anyone who's looking in your neighborhood is going to know that that's outside of what's the right value, and they'll never see it. And then you're on the market three, four, or five months later, and now all of a sudden, maybe you change the price to the right price. Mm-hmm. But you're stale. So people think something's wrong because not everyone will look at the history of your price. Maybe suddenly it'll go out to someone's email because you lowered it to 200000 And they're going to be like, great, it's a, it's a house in the neighborhood I like and the price is right. And that's why it's in my email inbox. But wait a minute, it's been on the market for 200 days. Right. And then all of a sudden, you have mi- you've missed the market. You tried to make a market that didn't exist, and now it's going on too long, and you're stale, and no one's going to buy your house, and they're going to want to negotiate even more. I took a class once that I thought was really good that talked about price changes. And my philosophy is I try never to – now it's shifted in the last years as the market has shifted. I try never to do a price change. And I will tell my you know listing appointments that when I'm there. This is the price I want to list for. You should sell within this range of that. I don't want to do a price change because as soon as you do one, any buyer that's watching your house is going to wait to see, are you going to do another Mm -hmm. or maybe another, or maybe I want to wait and, or maybe I want to make a low offer. And all of a sudden you've opened this door once you do a price change that says, I'm negotiable, I'm desperate, and I don't want to come at the negotiation from that point. So I try not to do them. Mm -hmm. But I think that sellers like that I have reasons behind what I am doing. Like these are the reasons and this is why I'm going to do it this way. And then they can get on board because they understand. I had a listing interview recently and they said um, the previous agent told us that they do some sort of price reduction every 30 days. What is your philosophy on price reductions? Yeah, And I told them I don't have a set philosophy because my strategy is based on the number of showings and what the feedback has been. Yeah. If we're having a lot of showings and no offers, maybe we need a price change. If we're getting yeah. feedback that the price is too high, maybe we need a price change. I said, but I do, I do tell them I don't do many if, you know, if we're going to do one, it's not going to be $1,000. Right. It's going to be at least five to get us in the next price right. range. Like price if we're range. at 230 maybe we need to go to 225 Or if we're at 225 maybe we need to go to 219 to get yeah. in a new... Because if you go to 225 to 223 Wow, you just saved someone $12 a month on their mortgage. Like, right. it's not even going to matter at that point. Nope. It's not going to matter to them. Like, those numbers matter on the seller side, mm-hmm. not on the buyer side. Right. I know. I agree. It's hard. And I try. Philosophy is a really good word, though. I think everyone needs to come up with, and even if it changes per listing type or per, like, you need to have some philosophies in place on how you, you know, get through your listings and what is your plan. And I think that. One of my favorites is when I go to people who have pets 
or kids, or it, it's a lot for them to get their house ready. And I will explain to them condition. I'm like, we are going to get your house looking amazing so that you don't have to do showings with your animals and your kids and upheave your life for just months on end. If you get ready and then you list, we're talking maybe it's only two weeks worth of showings as opposed to two or three months worth of showings. And I think that knowing your audience and telling them what your philosophies are that are going to help them is going to be helpful in getting you in the same place. I also think you have to ask them what their goals are. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, like, don't you want to know, is it speed? Mm-hmm. Are, are they in a hurry? Right. Like, is it price? Are they only wanting to sell if they can make a certain amount of money? Like, if you don't know what their goals are, how are you going to best serve them? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have any other philosophies you share with your, with your peeps? Mm, I think we've covered most of it. Okay. All right. I have never done this, but I have. I clearly have taken a lot of listing classes. I like to learn, <laughs> friends. You are a good classroom student. I like I like to learn. It's helpful because I always want to pick out like one good thing from every class. Even if I spent two hours there and I was like, this class was terrible. If I got one nice tidbit, then it was a success. Um, I've heard before to bring um, a pencil and a legal pad because some people are visual learners. Some people are auditory learners. Pencil makes noise when you write on the paper. I mean, I know this is not in your system, but if somebody wanted to try that, where you were writing down numbers or you're writing down like their to-do list or whatever it is. Um, I've heard, I've never done this. I've heard the rubber band where someone like they put like a, like an office rubber band on their hand and they bring it when they're explaining, setting the price. And they're like, you know, like if you stretch the market too far, it will break. What? (laughs) Okay. I heard one recently that I really liked. What was it? Um, So you have two pennies. Uh huh. And one is shiny, brand new uh-huh. penny, and one is like has been on the street a little while. It's a little bit yeah. grungy and dirty. And this is what you're telling to your sellers: these two pennies are sitting right next to each other in the same neighborhood. They're worth the same price, but which one are they going to choose? Right. So they're going to choose the shiny penny. We want the shiny penny. Mm -hmm. Now, when I walk in and I say, I do tell them, I always like to start off by you giving me the tour of your house. Yeah. Tell me the things that I wouldn't know just from walking through things Mm -hmm. that you have done. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I pull out my phone and I say, I'm going to make notes while you do this. So they, I tell them like, yes, I'm on my phone. Yes. I'm making notes. And I am, and I, um, I think I shared this in our list, our other listing episode, but if they say something that I know is important, I write it exactly how they say it. Like if they say in in their words, yes, like the view out of this window is gorgeous. I put the view out of the bedroom window is gorgeous. Right. Or these are. 100 year old pine reclaimed wide plank wood floors. However, they right. said it. Right. I'm sure. And sometimes I'll even ask, can you repeat that? You know, yes. Um, I want to make sure that they know I'm paying. And then, because you know, I hate writing descriptions, I'm not good at it. Um, it's, I'm not creative. It takes too much time. So when I get the pictures and I'm writing the description, 
I look through those notes and make sure that yeah. I have everything that they said was important to them. Right. Yeah. Um, but that walkthrough is super important. Super important. I agree. I mean, it really does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I always also remind people that if you get, so like if we're, t- I mean, if, if we're pushing back and forth and maybe we're going to go to the higher end of the price for the neighborhood, but the condition isn't there, I will always tell them too. If you get showings and no offers, it's condition because if you, but if you get no showings, it typically is price. I mean, as long as your house isn't like falling apart in the photos, Mm -hmm. people are going to come if it's priced right. But if they come and they won't make an offer, it's the condition. And I've had, that's a really good point. It's so true. And Mm -hmm. I didn't make that up, but again, probably learned it in a class. Yeah, that's good. Um, But yeah, if you get showings and no offers, it's price. If you get no showings, I mean, it's, Reverse. If you get no showings, it's price. If you get showings and no offers, it's condition. And I, and it was a Lee Brown class I took one time where she does this whole thing about showing up at the bar. It's like, you know, 10 p.m. Everyone's, you know, there, whatever, doing their thing. By like 2 a.m., suddenly, you know, the the guys are like, or the girls are like lowering their standards and they go home with whoever. <laughs> but she's, she stands there in her like, you know, blazer and her skirt. And she's like, you know, I tell sellers all the time, if your house isn't selling, there's only two things you can do. You can either, she hikes up her skirt a little, you can either raise the condition and then she'll lower her shirt a little and she'll be like, or lower the price. But that's oh it. Oh my like gosh. You can, so like if you want someone to take you home, you can either raise the condition <laughs> or lower the price. And I just think that is hilarious. That but is it's hilarious. true. It's just that simple. And that's what sellers need us to tell them. It's not some kind of magic voodoo I'm going to do yep. on your house. Mm-mm. Either you raise the condition or you lower the price or price it right or whatever you want to say. But I'm not going to be able to create a market for your home based out of some amazing marketing plan. Like I, it, it's very black and white to me. And that's what kind of frustrates me because we let, um, because of the way we advertise ourselves, we let sellers and the public believe not every agent is created equal, which they're not, but that, that my fancy marketing is going to suddenly sell your home. And that's right. not, that's not the truth. The truth will sell your home. If you got an agent that will tell you the truth and tell you how to prepare, that is what will sell your home. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this is important too, because I know that we have so many like newer agents and inexperienced agents that love to listen to the show. Um, do not feel like you can't take a listing because you don't have a shiny, fancy listing presentation and you don't show up with an iPad that scrolls through a bunch of data and it's not about you. Like sellers don't care about your stats as much as you think they do. And you can go in there with information that helps them and listen and be a better fit than a more experienced agent. If you listen, I just think it's, it's a pretty level playing field, but it took time for me to build confidence to get there. So they will pick up on it if you're not confident in the, in the advice you're giving them. Mm -hmm. Don't you think, I mean, like nobody starts out a listing agent. I think it, it comes with experience. You And it also comes with listening to things like the podcast, taking classes, hearing other people say it so naturally to where yeah. you go, I could say that. I could yeah. I could have that mindset. Maybe I don't need to overthink this. Or, But yeah. if you don't tell them the truth up front, you're setting yourself up for a really long road. 
yeah. with this seller. They're going to be yeah. the boss the whole time, calling the shots, making you do all these things that maybe even hurt the property, you know? Right. So, oh yeah, for sure. It's important to speak with confidence. You know your stuff, you know, you are the professional. And yeah. you just need to not be afraid to tell them what they need to know and, and learn phrases like, if I don't tell you this up front, the buyers are going to tell you and you're yes. going to be surprised. You know, saying yes. things like, it's not my opinion, it's the market. There right. are, so that's what I love about real estate is that it is very facts driven and it's yes. not about what I think all the time. Right. It's about no. what I'm seeing in the market. Yeah. I mean, I've had listings surprise me in both directions, sell fast when I think they won't and take forever when I think they'll sell. And sometimes it can just be about the actual timing of the market. Mm -hmm. Like what, what's the day of the week? What's what time of year? Like what is going on? Um, so I think that everyone has the access to data. And if you don't know how to do a market report and get and, and filter through data and interpret data, take some classes and learn. And that's all the seller needs from you. They need data and they need you to interpret the data. So what do you do after the appointment ends and you leave the house? Um, typically, see, I don't, I don't do a lot of interviews where I'm the, in competition. Okay. So typically at this point, I'm, you know, we've set a date for photos. I'm going to get their homework back from them. After I leave, I always usually send a thank you note in the mail, especially if I have a, you know, a little bit of time. If we're listing in another couple of days, then there's not a lot of time, but I'll send a thank you note. Um, I'll send an email with a list of all of the things we discuss for them to do. Yes. I do not. Yes. I jot it down while we're walking. I tell them. Sometimes I even see them writing it, mm -hmm. and I still put it in writing from me to them. Let me know when this list is done. Um, if you need to send me photos while you're doing it to ask a question, I'm happy to look at a text or an email mm -hmm. with a photo of your landscape or whatever. So, um, I guess that's really, I mean, that's all I do. And then I prepare listing docs and I send them through dot loops. So sure. it's an e-sign situation. And from there on out, it's done. Yeah. I usually try to get a key then if I know I'm listing, mm -hmm. but if not, they leave one for me during photos. Cause I like to tell them, I do not need you here for photos. If you want to be here because it's more convenient for you to be here, fine. But I, I tell them my photographer prefers that yeah. The least amount of people, the better. So we're not having to like yeah. hide in the pantry. So you don't see our arm in the picture. Right. Yeah. I prefer to be there. Just me and the photographer, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it does mean that I'm stowing away a lot of toothbrushes usually. Yeah. I mean, but that's okay. I try to put everything back where I found it, but I also tell them that I've put some stuff away in cabinets. If you can't find something, look in the nearest cabinet. Sure. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. What else do you do after? That's pretty much it. Maybe a thank you letter and yeah. I send them the email of everything we discussed and that's it. Yeah, I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, I put them onto my like sheet just to keep up with in case yeah. they weren't like mm -hmm. right there ready. So right. if we're talking about a month or two, I need to make sure that I'm following up. So it's funny you say that because that's also a reason I created the pre-listing template because I was going on so many interviews at one point. Um, with people that were months out. Yeah. So me saying, call me when you have all of this ready makes yeah. them realize, oh, this is like legit. We don't just call real estate agents and waste their time. We need to be serious about this because right. there's homework involved. Yeah. 
So yeah. um, that has helped a lot too with with that. But yeah, I do put them in my Trello. I promise I'll do the Trello class soon. Um, <laughs> just to remember to follow up with them. And if I email them the notes and everything, I usually put that in my Trello too. So when I look at their name, I remember. Because sometimes I suggest oh, a price. Were. Yeah. And okay. Months Wait, later, a- I forget what price. Yes. Okay. Write it down. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Because I never remembered either. And it kind of, so look, I showed you a minute ago and YouTube is getting all the good info. So I have my little, it's a, it's a two piece of paper that I take with me and I call it my new listing checklist. And on the front page, it, it just is basically telling me what to do. It's not for them, but it's got walk through, discuss the seller's top 10 features, show them their listing folder. This is all the stuff in the folder. Then we discuss the market analysis and talk about their seller net sheet. At this point, I have walked their home. I have decided on a price in my head. And then I finish up the sheet if I didn't do it at home or if I have to edit it. Usually I do it at home because I don't want to have to sit there doing all the math. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just change it if I need to. Because if I put 225 and I think it's really 220, it's not that hard to just subtract 5,000 from the bottom line. Sure. Uh, So then I discuss that with them. But when I discuss it with them, so on page two, on the back side of page one is what I do after the listing. Okay. Like literally after the listing appointment, did it get in the MLS? Did I make the listing binder? Like what, you know, did I order a home warranty if it's needed? Blah, 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 blah. Like I have the whole list of what I do. Okay. Then... This on the second page is a big blank. I mean, it's just a big blank. Yeah. That says, and this is where I take my notes because I don't do it on my phone. Like I like to write. So as we're walking through, it says, what updates, repairs have you made? How long have you been here? And then I'm writing all that down. Wouldn't and it be I nice if to, they had that all ready for you when you arrived? Oh my God. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'm going to have to do that. Then I would ask them about security cameras, audio and video. Do you have a copy of your appraisal? All the stuff in your email, right? Are there any reserved items? I do talk about that while I'm there. Sure. Point to me what you need to take that is attached to your home. If you got to take that fountain in the front, I want to know. And then I have a teeny tiny spot at the bottom that says seller net. And I write in whatever I told them. Like suggested price? Whatever. Yeah, whatever the net, like whatever the price was, all of the numbers. Because I also want to write down commission. What if? Yeah, negotiated this in some way. Like, I don't remember. So I put down all the numbers on that page and that way I have it to go back to. Cool. That's all I have on there. But it it keeps me um, consistent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is in your pre-listing email. And when I get more, um, I just haven't had a lot of listings since we started talking about that, but I am going to start using it more. You'll love it. I will love it. I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think that's all I have. Same. Awesome. I think that listings are, are, it's so funny because I remember how afraid of them I was and how Mm -hmm. much I hated them in the beginning and how I didn't know how to tell sellers the hard stuff and how that made it not fun and made it very stressful. And now I think about listings as pure freedom. Yes. Like it is the only work that you will do as a realtor that is contained within business hours with the exception of your Sunday open house if you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. But anyone can do it. You don't have to do it. Sure. Um, And it's going to, they will let you come to their house during business hours for this appointment because it's serious. They, I just, listings are amazing. Mm -hmm. They really are. I love them. And it allows me to get all of my staging like jollies out. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. Okay, so that's that's all on listings. Let me find us a toast. Are okay. you ready? I'm ready. Who do we Hokey have dokey. today? 
Oh, shoot. Now I forgot how yes. to say your name. Patr- right. Stop. Don't make fun of me. Patricia Erlas. U-R-L-A-S-S. Okay. Erlas. Patricia would like to toast. Patricia is going to toast to um, Vivian Torres, who is in her market. She's great with content creation and videos. She's awesome on social media, and she wants to toast to her because she's always so positive and empowering. Oh, that's awesome. I like it. What market? Where are they from? um, I will tell you that she is in Palm Air, Pompano Beach. Interesting. Florida. I guess. I don't know. It's got to be. I, I must. I'm thinking so. I don't know. Palm, Pompano Beach. Mm-hmm. Is that Florida? There's it. California. Dude, I don't know. How do you spell it? <laughs> Palm, A-I-R-E, or Pompano Beach. P-O-M-P-A-N-O. Florida. Sweet. Okay. I feel good about that. So Patricia in Florida is toasting to... Vivian, who's amazing on the social media, and she's positive and empowering, and I like that. Awesome. Cheers to them. Cheers. Cheers to them. Love it. Bye, guys. Bye, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode topic or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Don't forget to send in your wins. See you next week. This is the good life.